This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. This is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we've got Samuel Madrid coming on. He's the co-owner of Morsa Capital, and he's going to tell us all about what they're up to getting owner finance deals done in the Central Texas area. Hey, Sam, how are you? I'm doing great, Jordan. How are you doing today? Doing awesome. I'm so glad we could get on here. I know we dealt with uh, some technical issues and we've been rescheduling and rescheduling and we finally were able to nail it down and get going. Yes, I'm glad. Thanks for your patience. Absolutely. And thank you. So Sam, really quick before we get started here, what's your favorite restaurant in Austin? My favorite restaurant is Red Ash. Go there a lot. Hard to get into, but it's well worth well worth the wait. Yeah, great, great. Uh, I think I would call it Italian food. It is Italian. I call it Italian steakhouse, but they've got everything. And it's just awesome. Yeah, it's, it's my crazy. favorite. Awesome. So, Sam, who are you and how are you involved with real estate investing in Central Texas? Uh, my name's Sam Madrid. Uh, been investing in San Antonio and the Austin, the uh, the central market for the last 29 years. I'm a graduate of uh, Southwest Texas State. Uh, and I graduated, I started selling plastics and I gravitated to owning rental properties. The majority of the rental properties and, and owner finance notes that we own are in the Bear County, uh, region just because of costs these days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we do a lot in Austin with Austin investors. I actively go to different meetups in Austin. I think I met you at the Ken Harris, mm-hmm. uh, meetup with commercial real estate, uh, I also go with uh, Quincy over at uh, Quest IRA, and I'm also uh, actively investing in self-directed IRAs. Awesome. So uh, I don't know a lot about notes and owner or the owner finance deals that you're talking about. So what specifically is it that you do and, and how does that work if I'm an investor looking to get into it? So I buy properties. Um, I look for people that want to partner with me on a financial end. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, the investors that we're working with get 10% on their money. They make a 10% return on their money uh, secured by real estate. Uh, we handle the uh, the management part of the rental properties, mm-hmm. uh, the tenants, the toilets, the evictions. We are basically buying properties in the Bear County region uh, in working class type neighborhoods we're usually purchasing properties in the eighty-five to ninety-five thousand dollar range, fixing them up, renting them out for one or two years, and then we're going back to the tenants, offering them an owner finance deal mm-hmm. after they've lived there and uh, taking care of the property, paid their rent on time for a year, year and a half. We tell them about it that we're going to come to them maybe a year in advance, so they'll save up a down payment. Um, most of the people that we're renting to do decide to buy on an owner's financed. And then we go into the mode of owner finance and collect paper, collect real estate notes. Um, the investors that we deal with 
are basically um, investing on the acquisition loan on the acquisition side. They're basically will receive 10% on their money, interest only payments, monthly payments. We'll take a, uh, all the headaches of the tenants, the toilets, the evictions, and they'll get mailbox money. After a five-year period, they will be paid off. They'll get their initial investment back. In the interim time, they're going to get interest payments. And that's how we're working with a lot of Boston investors. So that's really cool. So essentially, I make a loan to you for, let's say, $100,000 to keep Exactly. You're paying me 10% on my money every year. And then interest only, later, yes. Yeah, five years later, I get my $100,000 back. That's exactly how it works. And you're going to have a promissory note and a first lien on the property. Yeah. And I think that what's cool about that type of lending is you do have a first lien on the property. Um, you've made sure the property's worth $100,000. So you lent somebody a hundred grand, but the property's worth a hundred or more. If you need to foreclose on it or ever take it back, it's not like you're really going to lose your hundred grand. You're getting paid. Your you're well secured. That's exactly. exactly right. You're well secured. Uh, you're in a position that, you know, the property is worth probably 150, 160,000. Oh, wow. In our case, the max loan we're doing on an acquisition is 95,000. So you should be, you would be well, the investor would be well secured. Yeah. But I've yeah. been doing it for over 29 years. And uh, now it's we've never had a foreclosure to deal with, but if if there ever was one, that that they're in a very good position. Mm -hmm. And I think the I see people on certain forums or Facebook groups and that kind of stuff talking about a second lien or a third lien position. I I would only feel comfortable lending money if I had the first lien position, and I, I like it that that's what you're doing. It's the first lien. It is a first lien, and a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it works well. Mm -hmm. I do periodically have investors that have um, want to use their retirement account. So with the people that are using their retirement account, maybe not everybody has the full 95000 mm -hmm. So I do have an investor who's worked with me very successfully, and he's comfortable doing second liens. But it's only because as he's getting money into his retirement account, he doesn't want to let it build up to 95000 So he'll wait till it builds up to about 30000 and ask me to do it on a second, just the rehab portion. Oh. So in that case, I would only borrow, say, as an example, 65000 mm -hmm. And his part would be the remaining balance in a second lien position. But that particular investor has been doing it for 10 years. And he has he started initially with a hundred thousand, and because he continuously reinvests his interest payments over ten years, he's grown it to seven fifty. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's a lot in ten years, but he never touched the interest payments. Mm -hmm. He always consistently reinvests. But it's a success story on somebody how they can grow a, a retirement account from a hundred thousand to seven fifty in a ten year period. That's amazing. So is there a specific area that you like to invest in down in San Antonio or is it just- My preference is working class neighborhoods. That's really the bread and butter that we go after. A lot of people that uh, want to rent from us 
are working class. So a lot of people are the landscapers, the roofers, electrician, mechanics, painters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people are very good, hardworking people, but they're not necessarily bankable to go to a bank to get a, a mortgage, maybe because of language barrier, um, maybe because of intimidation with the, the forms that they're going to have to fill out. Uh, possibly it's because of lack of trust in their home country where they came from. Um, so they would look, they feel more comfortable dealing with somebody that speaks their language possibly, and also that understands their situation. And I'm able to take advantage of, or not take advantage of, but give people the opportunity to try to buy something. And maybe they're at a higher risk uh, because of the credit scores or something. And I've been able to, to give people that opportunity the company has. Well, and you, pre, you essentially pre-screened them because they rent for you for two years. Yes, it's almost like they're <laughs> pre-screened, and that's the philosophy yeah. that I'm doing. And I tell people, look, you're going to rent for a year, a year and a half. This is your credit. So depending on how you pay your rent, this is how your credit will be in the after a year and a half. Okay, and you said you've not had to deal with any foreclosures yet, huh? Hey, guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Oh, I've had to deal with foreclosures. My investors have not had to deal with foreclosures. Okay, so you've had some of these borrowers who bought these these properties from you that had formerly been renters, and you've had to foreclose on them? So generally, um, it's not so much the foreclosure, it's the rental portion, that year and a half, where they don't have any skin in the game, other than the security deposit, mm-hmm. that I run into difficulties with. The vast majority of people do pay because they want to become homeowners, but it is the the first year and a half to two years that people sometimes have defaults. Yeah. Well, I have to do an eviction, and then I would clean up the property and remarket it. But once I can get somebody to give 20% down, let's say $20,000, $30,000 as a down payment, and then they buy the house, and now they have a, a, a promissory note, a deed of trust, and they have the deed in their name, and time goes by, their payment is fixed. The interest rate is fixed. So as inflation or their payment and rental property would go up, their payment would stay the same. So it gets to the point where they're in a position where it's very comfortable to make the payment. I don't have to do a lot in foreclosures. It's more the eviction, the rental side that I have to be very careful on. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm familiar with that. It's certainly something we deal with as rental property investors. Yes, it's part of the game. Yeah. So what initially attracted you to real estate investing, Sam? How'd you get involved? This is a very So my parents had a few rental properties when I was young, when I was a, a child. Uh, they, it was a really unique story, in my opinion. They, they financed my college education and my sister's college education by owning rental properties. Wow. They bought six rental properties when we were infants. And by the time they managed them themselves, mm-hmm. by the time it was uh, 20 years later and it was time for us to go to college, the properties were free and clear. My parents went and sold off two or three of the properties and they paid for my college education and my sister's education. So I graduated from college. My sister graduated from college debt-free. And it was because my parents utilized rental property and real estate to send their children to to university. So I learned the importance of home ownership. I learned the importance of investing in real estate 
from a young age and observing my parents managing rental properties. So then after I graduated from college, I wanted to own my own business. And the obvious thing for me was real estate because I saw my parents doing it. And then I learned and I discovered that there's a lot of people that want to rent but and have an opportunity to buy it someday in the future. And then uh, by studying about owner financing, I was able to start uh, doing more in the owner finance business. I also do a lot in self-directed IRAs and I have collected and purchased and created a lot of real estate notes in my IRA and my, my family's IRAs. Oh, cool. So, I mean, the, the owner financing thing, I think typically people come at it from the perspective of, I want to buy with owner financing because I think I'm going to get a better down payment or a better rate or a longer amortization. I don't often hear people come at it from the perspective of, hey, this is a great way for, for other investors or myself to make good returns. So it, what, how did you initially come into the owner financing? Like what, what got you started or interested? With the private that? lenders, you mean? Just in general, how do you, the concept of, of being the seller on an owner finance note rather than. So I had the, the opportunity to go to a real estate meetup and I sat 29 years ago, I sat next <laughs> to a guy by the name of Mitch Steven. He's written probably about four or five books now, my life in a thousand homes. And one of them was my life in a thousand homes, the art of owner financing. Mm. He owned about 30 rental properties in working class neighborhoods. And he was talking to me about the turnover that he was having to deal with. So he decided to sell all 30 properties on an owner finance to his tenants and he would collect paper. And he started talking to me on the ease of how it was to be collecting paper rather than managing rental properties. Yeah. So we formed a friendship over time. We formed a partnership and we had a partnership for 10 years together and we bought and sold owner financed hundreds of houses. The first year alone, we did about 80 properties together wow. and we would buy the property. We'd sell them owner financed and we'd collect our owner finance note. We would sell it off to financial institutions at a discount. And we made a fortune doing that. And I was 28 years old and he was a little bit older than me. And we did that for 10 years. There was nowhere near the competition that there is now. Mm -hmm. And that's how we got started. So your investors, they make 10%. Your, your, your private lenders, they make 10%. What is the interest rate you're charging a, a homeowner? 12. 12. Okay, so there's a margin there. Well, no, but not only that, I'm purchasing the property for 65000 putting 20000 into repairs. So I'm into it for 85,000, max would be 95,000. And then I'm selling it owner financed eventually at 160,000. So I will have a mortgage, I'll collect a $30,000 down payment. Okay. I would have a mortgage owed to me for 130,000. I have a private lender who lent me 95,000. Yeah. So not only is there a, um, a spread on the interest rate, there's a spread on the profit on, yeah. on the property. No, huge arbitrage there. So yeah, there's a huge a, arbitrage. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, when rates were really low, did you have a lot of these people that had these owner financing terms go to the banks and refinance? No. The reason is, Jordan, a lot of people that I'm working with are 
people that are working in the trades, mm-hmm. they may not have the best credit. They may get paid in cash. Mm-hmm. So very few of them had the opportunity to go refinance at a bank. What they do do, and they still do it today, if their payment is $1,000 a month, they'll pay $1,200. Oh. The extra 200 goes to principal. Yeah. If their payment is 1000 and they have an extra good month, they may pay 1500 So that extra 500 goes to principal. So in effect, they're not refinancing me, but they're paying the loans off early and saving interest that way. A normal 30-year mortgage, I tell people that they'll make one extra payment a year, approximately, they'll pay the house off in 22 years. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that I deal with will pay the house off in about 17 to 20 years versus 30 years. Not because they're refinancing, because they're paying extra payments that go to towards the principal. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. That's awesome. That's actually really cool because, I mean... That is cool. You would think, I mean, it's it's easy to have the the misconception that these people aren't financially savvy or astute because they're not going to go use a bank, but they're actually figuring out the amortization schedule and they're saying, hey, I'm going to pay down the principal faster. That way I'll pay less interest and I'll own this home outright quicker. That's really cool. You're exactly right. And you said it, uh, you know, it's a misconception. I used to think the same thing just because they weren't college educated and they're working out, you know, as a, as a, you know, somebody who cuts trees as a living or landscaping or somebody that's a painter. It doesn't mean that they're not financially savvy and they understand the concept of paying extra to pay it off quicker. And that was a misconception that I had. But also we try to tell people, hey, the more that you can pay towards principal, the quicker you pay it off. And in reality, Jordan, and somebody, instead of somebody go refinancing the bank, because if you're going to go refinance at a bank, you're going to incur more closing costs. Mm-hmm. You're going to have another title policy to deal with. You're going to have closing costs to deal with. You're probably going to have to get a survey. You're probably going to have to get an appraisal. All that costs money. So I tell people, instead of incurring that cost, why not just make extra 100, 200, 300? When you, and then a lot of people use their income tax money. They get their income tax at the end of the year and they'll put an extra 5,000 towards the principal. Now the mortgage was only 130,000. That's my average mortgage size, 130,000. So a $5,000 principal payment once a year, that makes a huge dent in the mortgage. Yeah. And it's win-win. Yeah. It's win-win. We get a good interest rate. My investors get a good 10% on their money. And then the homeowner, you know, gets the house paid off in 17 years. So on these, are you using a servicer? Are you servicing these notes yourself? We are using a servicer, a a licensed uh, note servicing company that's bonded in Texas. Yes. Okay. Really cool. Um, What's the thing I like about it with going to Austin is what I, I've spent a lot of time and I love going to Austin. My wife and I probably go once a month. We're going this Sunday for a concert. Matter of fact, Mm -hmm. Um, is the price of real estate. 
And that's why I've been able to find a lot of investors in Austin that want to be able to diversify. And if they had, uh, as an example, 300,000, it's very difficult to make a real estate investment in Austin with 300,000. Conversely, because our San Antonio market's so much cheaper in the type of real estate I do, they can make three investments. So it's diversification. And yeah. that's why I've been able to meet people in Austin. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it, it, if you listen to bigger pockets back in the day, well, back in the day, five, six years ago, they used to always say, hey, within an hour of where you are, there's a more affordable market to invest in. The case in point, in within an hour of Austin, you've got San Antonio and the metros are growing together. So we are. we're going to have so many opportunities as they continue to grow together and continue to get larger and larger that I think it it's short-sighted to not just look at just a little bit outside of your backyard and talk to other people like you in San Antonio that are they're doing a big business and really make it happen. And I'm seeing a lot of people in Austin come into San Antonio and probably because of that. Mm -hmm. um, one thing, though, when you're investing on the mortgage side, there's not a lot of management that needs to be done. Yeah, I don't you know, once it becomes a note or if it's an investor of mine that wants to invest on the acquisition loan, mm -hmm. he doesn't worry about the roof leaking. Yeah. He or she only worries about there being a an insurance policy in place. Mm -hmm. He or she doesn't worry about the property taxes being paid because they're, you know, they're being paid monthly and collected by an escrow company. Yeah. It's he all doesn't worry. He or she doesn't worry about the toilet leaking because it's not their problem. So it becomes much easier to manage real estate long distance when it's in the form of an owner finance note rather than being a, a, a property manager on rental properties. That is difficult because I've done it in other cities. Yeah, and it's no. a way to lose your use your hair or get gray hair. I used to buy properties in Austin, uh, excuse me, Houston, and I used to buy properties in Corpus. And oh. it and I manage my properties from San Antonio. Oh, it really? is very challenging to manage yeah. properties long distance. Yeah. Yeah. But when I started doing the owner finance in other cities, it became very easy. Yeah, because you're just a lender at that point. Right. So what would you say is the biggest mistake you've made investing in real estate? You've been investing in real estate for 29 years. 29 years. Yeah. So what's your biggest mistake? In, like a, a full warning to somebody else of don't do this. You know, I, I feel like I've been blessed. I haven't made a ton of mistakes. The mistakes I have made, they've been overcome. Um, from my standpoint, um, I deal a lot with private investors just because it's a lot. I mean, I do have lines of credit at different banks. It's very cumbersome to get lines of credit at different banks. And the environment can change, like interest rates have recently gone up. A lot of banks are contra uh, contracting, so they're not able to make the loans that they once did. For me, it's creating, maintaining and creating consistently relationships with private investors because you never know where the banking system is going to be. So for me in the business I'm in is always looking for more private investors, trying to create relationships. Um, for me, buying properties is not a problem. This is all I've done for 29 years. I do it full time. Uh, you know, we've got plenty of inventory. Other people that I've met, it's that I've met what the biggest mistakes they've met is getting started. I mean, so many people that say, if I could just get started, and it's just that fear factor of getting started. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. one mistake. 
I see a lot of uh, younger people that make the mistake by not getting invested with IRAs. I prefer Roth IRAs. Um, I also have a solo four, uh, 401k IRA that's self-book, uh, checkbook control, but that is easy to deal with. So I just see uh, the IRA portion as being a powerful way to gain wealth over the long term. Yeah, that's really is cool. And you can invest through a retirement account in real estate and make double digit returns. It sure is. And not have to pay the tax if you're doing it in a Roth. And if, yeah. even if you're doing a traditional, it's deferred. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it's super powerful. Cool. It's not powerful. a lot of people very quickly. A lot of people don't know you can do that. You need to have the right setup, but you absolutely everybody can do that if they do it right. I, everybody I've done. It, I've done it with Quest IRA there in Austin. I go to their meetups. They're very easy. Quincy, I, I know very well. So and I've also done a lot with Equity Trust. Awesome. Yeah, I've heard good things. So, Sam, what would you do differently if you had to start over today? So you learned really early about real estate investing. You've gotten where you are in owner financing, which is you're, you're more on the lending side of things, essentially. What would you do if you had to start over today? I think I would have been more intentional with my IRAs. I was intentional. But, uh, you know, when you're 28 years old and know that you can't <laughs> touch the money till you're 59 and a half, yeah. it's challenging to mentally say, hey, I'm just going to continue to build up my IRA. I did a lot of it, but that probably is something I would have done more intentionally. I did do it and it's grown considerably, but I probably would have done that more intentionally when I was younger uh, building uh, in, in, in self-directed IRAs. Okay. So having the, the tax advantages. Yes. On, earlier on. Yes. I think when you're young, you know, you, you don't you don't think 59 and a half is going to come, but promise you it will. And it comes quickly. Yeah. And you get that, that many years of compounding through a, a tax advantaged account like that's pretty powerful. Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. Yes, it is very powerful. And, um, you know, I was able to do that for myself. I did it for my wife. She has an IRA. Uh, I have three children. Fortunately, I was able to get my mother to set up a, a Roth IRA when she was still working, and my children inherited uh, their grandmother's IRA, Roth IRA, and uh, so I, I firmly believe, and I've done it very successfully for years. Love that. Um, and if somebody wants to learn more about, you know, using IRAs and 401ks for real estate investing, where, where's the best place for them to go in your opinion? I think uh, Quest IRA, from what I can see, Quest IRA has a great tutorial education system, a okay. lot of videos online that they can learn more about IRA investing. If they're living in Austin, they have uh, so many of the opportunities, so many meetups with Quest IRA. I, I really believe in Quest. Okay. Cool. I might have to get some connections from you here when we get off this podcast so I can learn more about it too. Sure. And Sam, do you have any long-term goals for real estate investing? You know, my goal is to get to a thousand notes. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I'm over halfway there. Wow. Uh, my goal is to get to a thousand, to half a thousand notes. And I created that goal years ago. Um, I, I, I'm not doing it by myself. I have a partner with Morsa Homes. Um, we work together at it very diligently. Uh, I have an office uh, that, you know, deals in the, the property management part. But my goal is to get to a thousand notes. And, and, and I 
wrote the goal down on paper years ago. Mm -hmm. I'm more than halfway there. Um, and God willing, I'll make it. Do you have a time frame, like when you when you're trying to get to a thousand notes? I think I could be there in the next 10 years. I have a game plan and and my partner and I have written out a plan to be there in the next 10 years. So um we think we can hit it. And we don't, we don't. If we fall short, so be it. But um it's a goal. Uh, you know, I, I'm fortunate that I don't need the income to live off. I do it as for fun. Um, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. I get immense uh, gratification uh, writing checks to my private investors. That one gentleman I told you with he, from 10 years ago, he started with 100,000. He's grown it to 750. That just gives me great pleasure knowing that I was able to help and, and he listened to me and it's worked out well. I have other private investors. I got one. I have one family that I send $50,000 a month in interest uh, payments wow. to. And that gives me a lot of great pleasure, just uh, working with private investors and showing them that there's different options other than the stock market, other than index funds, other than traditional investing and look for alternative methods to invest. Mm -hmm. And I try periodically to do speaking engagements on how to educate people to um, to invest wisely in in as a private lender where they're not going to be affected. There's, there's stuff people there that need, people need to learn to do things properly where they're not, where they're protecting themselves. Mm -hmm. They're not just blind, blindly giving somebody money to invest. They need to do their due diligence. And I get a lot of pleasure uh, teaching people that. Yeah, no, I love that. I love the thousand note goal because like you said, if you don't hit a thousand notes, but you hit 950 right. notes, who cares? So be it. Yeah, great. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And then what you just said, the last thing you said there, I think is so important. And I think a lot of us got away from this in the last couple of years because it just seemed like everything was hitting. You didn't have to think about it. But the due diligence on the passive investing side is so important, just as important as going and buying those houses yourself. You know, so understanding a lot about where you're investing your money, how that operates, you know, the track record of the people you're investing with. You've been doing this for 29 years. Clearly you have track record. You have tons of case studies. I'm sure you can give to people, but there's not, not everybody's like you that's raising money. You know, there's people out there that are raising money that just started. Maybe they bought their first duplex and now they're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, you know, I, I was just talking to Deanna, my assistant about that. Um, people need to be careful. Yeah. Uh, if it was me, I'm going to look for somebody with track record. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go look for somebody who's maybe investing in for 10 years track record, because then I'll know, Hey, they've been through the ups and downs and look how they fared. I'd also, uh, if I was looking and I do a lot of, I do some private lending. I do it with my IRA. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at people's credit score, mm -hmm. how people live their own personal financial life is an indicator of how they're going to live their business life. So I'm going to look at people's credit scores. Um, third, you know, I'm just not blindly going to give somebody a check. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it to an intermediary, maybe a title company, maybe a real estate attorney. I'm going to review the documents, make sure the documents are already recorded before I give the doc. So there's a lot of things that people need to learn, but once people learn how to protect themselves, it's a very profitable investment. Love it. Yeah, that's it's really cool. And I think that it's maybe this is speculation. Maybe we've just gotten so used to 
how secure investing in the stock market is. And we just forgot all about that with passive investing because passive investing, it's not so easy. It's not so secure. You know, I've done a lot of investing in the stock market. I've done a lot of index funds. My only issue is the cash flow isn't there. It's awful, yeah. And it's the cash flow, what I use to go to HEB to buy groceries. Mm-hmm. It's when, when I go to Red Ash, I need my cash flow to be able to pay the bill. And me investing in the index funds that I've done a lot of, and I teach or I've told my children and taught my children about it, the cash flow isn't there. And without the cash flow, there needs to be a balance of you know investing for appreciation, but also having the cash flow to live my life today. Yeah. So I try to do a combination of the two. You can't eat your net worth, unfortunately. Exactly. You cannot <laughs> eat your net worth. And your net worth could go down very quickly if there's a turn in the stock market. Yeah. And your net worth can go down very quickly if there's a turn in the real estate if it's solely off of that. But what I try to do is invest in cash flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm investing yeah. in somebody something that everybody needs, which is shelter. Absolutely. But I think it's so important that you talk about doing your due diligence and making sure it's the right investment for you, even though the theory investing cash flow makes sense, making sure that investing in that specific avenue to create cash flow makes sense because yes. you, know, you, you want to make sure you protect your capital so you can go and reinvest. To reinvest, to grow it. Mm-hmm. And Sam, what's a favorite book that you like to recommend? You know, one of my favorite books has been Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm sure you hear that a lot. Yeah. It made a big difference in my life many years ago. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. He also has several other books. Uh, the other one that I like is Cashflow Quadrant. Mm-hmm. So I've learned a lot from the Cashflow Quadrant. Regarding real estate, I've learned a ton of, from real estate from Ron Legrand. Uh, I've been to a lot of his seminars. He talked a lot about uh, different types of real estate. The one that I gravitated to was owner financed. Mm-hmm. So I've learned a lot from Ron Legrand. So those are just books that that I I and I've I've spent thousands of dollars on books on in regarding investing in real estate, owner financed. Mitch Stevens has a great book out with uh, my my life in a thousand homes, and I believe it's the art of owner finance that he talks about the real estate the way that him and I used to do it ten years ago. So there's a lot of books out there, but one of my favorites is The Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's a great book. Yeah, I've, I've not read much of Ron Legrand stuff. I've heard the name a lot, though. Uh, you can find him on YouTube. He gives a lot of seminars, and you know, some people enjoy his personality. Other people may not. I personally <laughs> did. I, I I was able to. Uh, he's very direct. And uh, the way he talks to people, it doesn't bother me at all and doesn't offend me. So I I, (laughs) I learned a lot from him. So I think it's also learning from somebody that you can create a relationship or connect with. Mm -hmm. And and I was able to connect with him. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's a name we don't hear mentioned a lot on here. So I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, I think Pace Morby now, I I listen to him a lot on, on online. Yeah, Pace Morby's a popular seller finance sub two right mm-hmm. now, that kind of stuff. Yes, he is. Oh. Sam, what's the best way for people to reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing with Morsa Homes? Um, people can reach out to me through morsacapital.com. And that's just Morsa Capital. M-O-R-S-A Capital.com. Okay. My assistant is Deanna Swoop. Mm-hmm. 
and she, she helps me a lot talking to people. And okay. uh, that's the best way to get a hold of us. Okay. So we'll make sure to put morsacapital.com in the show notes for anybody looking. Do you have like an Instagram handle or any sort of social media handle that would be best to follow too? Uh, I'm sure they could find us on Facebook and Morsa Capital. <laughs> Morsa Capital. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So it's Morsa Capital on Facebook, morsacapital.com. Mm-hmm. I am at Jordan underscore Moorhead on pretty much everything you'd look for. Uh, Twitter, X, Instagram, Facebook. Sam, thank you so much for coming on here today. I love your strategy. Uh, I love houses. Obviously, yeah. seller finance, private financing. Done a lot of that myself. So I look forward to doing some of that in the future too. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate being on your podcast. I look forward to seeing you in Austin again. Absolutely. And hopefully we can connect soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Talk to you here soon. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye.